May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O womb of life. Please be seated. This week in our worship, we continue to notice and honor feminine images of God and how many of our metaphors, the familiar images we use to understand or name aspects of God, um, are, are masculine. But today, we're going to focus most of our attention on a woman disciple and saint, Mary Magdalene. Because today is the feast day of St. Mary Magdalene. So let me tell you a little something about this Mary. Biblically, she is one of the few named followers of Jesus. She is named more than 12 times, many, many more times than we hear about some of the 12 official disciples. For example, James, son of Alphaeus, or Thaddeus. Whoever is thinking about disciples in Thaddeus pops to mind. Thaddeus is recognized as a disciple and as one of the 12, but he's only mentioned twice. The disciple Thaddeus is a name on a list, right? Meanwhile, the good news of our scripture has many more stories of Mary Magdalene. Biblically, she is the Mary that was possessed by seven demons. Seven is the number of perfection, so she was perfectly possessed and then healed. She became a follower and a supporter of Jesus, supporter of Jesus's ministry. Hear that. When we think of women in the Bible, our church culturally has traditionally tended to think of women's sins and problems as sexual. But this Mary is a person named in the Bible as somebody who supported the ministry of Jesus. She was likely a person of some wealth. With a comment, please hear her wealth in the context of the Judean community. She was not an empress, but she had access to enough wealth to make her own choices and to share her resources. Which means her past sins could easily be issues of power, of privilege, or of economic injustice. St. Mary Magdalene may have struggled with many of the same sins and possessions and evils that many of us, men and women, in privileged North America face. But that's a bit of an aside. Anyway, after her healing, Mary Magdalene follows Jesus all the way to the end. She is named witness to the crucifixion. And in our story today, this follower of Jesus is the first witness of the risen Christ. Mary speaks to angels and is tasked by Jesus to tell Jesus's story to the other disciples. The earliest church named Mary the apostle to the apostles. She is honored and recognized in the early Christian mystic writings as a central figure. But 600 years later, the church conflated her story 
with the story of Mary of Bethany and named Mary Magdalene a sinful, promiscuous, think sex-crazy woman and usually a prostitute. When Mary Magdalene, then Mary Magdalene becomes just another sinfully sexual woman and the church could dismiss her character as unimportant. This change in Mary's reputation lasts thousands of years. By 1552, the Anglicans took her feast day out of the calendar. It wasn't until 1950 that biblical scholars recognized the mistake and officially named the correction. In the 1950s, the church officially put her saint that day back in the calendar, but culture has not caught up. For example, in Jesus Christ Superstar, released in the 1970s and still performed today, Mary is still a prostitute. In most films and cultural portrayals, Mary stays sexually sinful. In our Bible study last week, everyone had heard that Mary did not have a good reputation. But let me say this all again, in case you grew up with stories of Mary Magdalene as a fallen, sexually sinful woman. Nope. That is not what scripture describes. This Mary is a healed, wealthy woman a person of resources, a faithful follower of Jesus. She is apostle to apostles and a leading presence in the early church. She is our first witness to the risen Jesus. In 2016, Pope Francis recognized her role and place in the church and named her Saint Day a feast day. That's an important festival of the church. Okay, and now I'm going on a complete aside. Today is a day of asides. Saints have always been a part of Christian tradition. Many people find praying through the saints helpful. At the Reformation, Anglicans decided that there were too many saints, too many Catholic saints, and we kicked out all the saints who weren't biblical. But saints have always been a part of the Christian tradition, so people tended to keep the saints' days anyway, but quietly. Now, we do have and recognize saints in the Anglican tradition. We tend to honor prominent saints from history, like St. Francis, and we continue to accept new saints, like St. Mother Teresa, who is, they aren't technically Anglican, but they are inspiring if you are ever curious about the saints, in 2007, the Anglican Church of Canada released the book For All the Saints, which includes readings, prayers, and calendars that the Canadian Anglican Church officially recognizes for the memoration of martyrs and saints. It can be found online. If anybody here wants to see it, please email me and I will send you a link. But in our tradition, the saints that we Anglicans recognize are truly the saints that we pray to. They're the saints that we write prayers to. So in all of this aside of official saint stuff, 
If you have a favorite influencer, trust your faith. But as I said, an aside into the tradition of saints in the Anglican tradition. Saint Mary Magdalene has an interesting history. But how does this story and this saint of our church inspire and inform us today? When I hear this story, I am struck by a theme that runs through our gospel reading and Mary's history of our church. I hear that we humans see what we expect to see. For example, Mary expected to see Jesus' dead body. She was looking for a dead person. When the body was missing, she kept looking for what she expected to see. Even when Jesus stood before her, she was blinded by what she was looking for. She could not see what was in front of her until Jesus called her by name and turned her to look for a truth that she never imagined. Jesus had died and Jesus has risen. We humans tend to see what we expect to see. Humans tend to think we know what we are looking for, so um, we keep looking for what we expect to find. For example, in church's history, the writers of antiquity considered women less important and less able than men, then that's what the thinkers looked for. So that's what these people found. There are places where women's subordination is found. The women, for example, are not named as often as men in scripture. But women at the time of Jesus were severely limited in their opportunities. Many women who were not as resourced or wealthy as Mary Magdalene could not have followed Jesus even if they wanted to. Many women were not allowed to the opportunity to learn the details of their own faith and could not enter into debates or discussions about religion. Now, not many women, like another Mary, Martha's sisters, was allowed to sit and listen at the feet of a teacher. Therefore, if someone was combing through history looking for proof, looking for proof, that women were less able, they would find what they were looking for in the absence of women. In our church's history, church scholars found what they were looking for. They expected women to be less important, so that's what they looked for, so that's what they found. In these weeks, I'm inviting us to pay attention to our blind spots, especially in how we name and notice God. If we're looking for a male-type God, we will likely find a male-type God. But in our expectations, we make mistakes. This week and this month, we've mostly been staying with themes of gender. But please notice that this blindness can also look at how we impact, how we look at issues of race. How many colors do we paint Jesus? economic station. In our expectations, we can be blind even to scientific facts. 
This week, I read the history of scurvy. Sorry, yes, I am talking about vitamin C deficiency. I am full of side stories this week. For hundreds of years, people suffered and died because sailors could not figure out vitamin C. Experts for a long time expected the problem was an absence of land. One cure among a number of very, very many weird cures, one cure was for sailor, to bury sailors in dirt. People brought caskets of dirt on board a ship for this job. Usually they brought out the dirt right before they hit land again and then ate a better diet. But people looked for what they expected to find and decided the dirt healed. That's just one example in the history of scurvy. The story of scurvy is a story of hundreds of years of near solutions that people missed because they were looking for something else. We humans tend to see what we expect to see. But God is infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. We need to stay alert to all we are not looking for. For example, in this week's Bible study, we, the group discussed where we found God. Keiko told the story about the time she had been invited to a church gathering for fellowship. She was just looking for some social time. If she had focused only on what she was looking for, Keiko would have missed God. In those gatherings, God was present. And because Keiko kept an open heart, she could be surprised to discover a call to faith. I would wish us all not to be limited by what we expect. Don't be stopped by what you are already looking for. God's messages often come delivered in packages we are not expecting. If we are alert, we can be surprised and delighted to find God where we never thought to look.